For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for your presence. It is felt and known today. Uh, the joy and the peace that is in this room. Father, we know that's only you. We praise you for that. Um, Father, Bojo mentioned this. Uh, talking about 9-11. And it is sad that the most united I've seen the United States in my lifetime was September 12th of 2001. Father, that's a shame. Your presence was known that day throughout the entire country. I mean, Father, I remember Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, and liberals praying together and singing hymns together at the Capitol steps. Father, I just pray that your presence continue to be known. And Father, that we have some people in this country, Father, some leaders in this country that will have the courage to do the same thing, to step up and to make sure that your presence is here in this country still. Father, today you've given me a message. Um, this is one that, um, Father, I need your boldness today for this. Uh, I want to thank you for allowing me to preach it. It's something that I do have a passion for. And uh, I praise you for that. So, Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, that you take all of my distractions, any nerves that I may have, my pride. Father, you throw that into the sea, and you replace it, Father, with your love, your patience, Father, your knowledge and wisdom today. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles, I hope you do. All the good Christians carry their Bibles around everywhere they go. If you could go to Ephesians chapter 4, guys, we're going to be there a lot today. I'm going to skip around just a little bit, but that's the main part of the sermon. So if you can get to Ephesians chapter 4, you can follow along a little bit, get your notes out. Get your highlighter out. Today is the first Sunday of the 2023 NFL season. Thank God. Each year on this Sunday, we show our support by wearing our favorite team's jerseys, T-shirts, hats, pom-poms, and mustaches. I'm, of course, wearing my Dallas Cowboys shirt. Amen. That's all right. Go ahead. Y'all can cheer for That's America's team. Amen. But y'all looking at me. What's wrong with y'all? Okay, so not only is that America's team, I don't know if y'all know this, but it was actually, it's actually God's team. You know, when they built the first Texas stadium, you know, they cut a hole out in it so God could watch his favorite team. Amen? Amen. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. That's what I'm to hush. Whoever booed, it's one less prayer for you today. We take our football serious here at Christian Warriors Church, guys. I mean, living on a border town, you know, Right between Texas and Arkansas, we don't really have much of a choice. We were kind of bred this way. You know, it's kind of bred into us. I mean, I'm a third-generation Cowboy fan, okay? My grandfather was a fan when they played at the Cotton Bowl. 
My dad took me to Texas Stadium in 1991. That's the first time I went to go watch the Cowboys. They played the Saints and beat the dog out of them, by the way. Yep. And then, of course, we won Super Bowls after that. I went every year. I always wanted to go to the Cowboy games. And now my children, if you notice today, are wearing Cowboy attire as well. Now, they probably don't even know who the player is they have on, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. They're still wearing, they're going to wear some Cowboy attire because they're going to be fourth-generation Cowboy fans. There's nothing wrong with having a passion for your favorite football team, guys. There's nothing wrong with being a true fan. There's nothing wrong with throwing the remote across the room when your team loses in the last seconds of the game. Okay? Amen? But I have a question for you today. Do you have the same passion for Team Jesus? That's today's title. We, the church, are the team. We are Team Jesus. But I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you every Sunday because that's my job, right? I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to give you the truth. I feel the church has lost some of its passion for the team it is supposed to be fighting for. I need you to understand when I say the church, I'm not just talking about Christian Warriors Church, guys. I'm talking about every Baptist church, every Methodist church, every Episcopal church, every Catholic church, every Church of Christ, every Assembly of God, every church, guys, and there's so many, many churches that denominations have been branched off from Christianity. I'm talking about every single Hispanic church, white church, black church, brown church, Asian church, doesn't matter. Guys, I'm talking about every rich church, poor church, new church, or old church. Today I'm talking to anyone who considers themselves a child of God. I feel that we, as children of God, have lost some passion for what our roles are supposed to be on Team Jesus. The perfect example of this is all the different churches that I just named. You see, a team must be unified. A team must become one. A team should never be divided by labels. Team Jesus, guys, is not a Baptist church or a Methodist church. Team Jesus is not a white church or a black church. Team Jesus is not a rich church or a poor church. True revival comes from unity. And it's something that the church in the United States of America is lacking on. You know, guys, there's, there's people in China that meet underground to have church. Our country has the freedom and the right to do it without any problem. We do not take advantage of that. And on top of that, we've gotten very spoiled and very prideful, and again, we've branched off in all these different denominations and so forth. We're not one, and we need to be one. The church has to come together as one. I want to look at Ephesians 4 verses 4 through 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is 
over all, in all, and living through all. Y'all notice the word one? Just in these three verses, seven times the word one is mentioned. What's seven in the Bible, Christian words? Completion. Completion. It's a big reason I chose this verse today to bring up. I think it's pretty obvious that what Paul is telling us, that all Christians have to unify and be one. We can't be divided as a church. A divided team cannot win. Jesus tells us this as well. We're going to go look at this in Matthew. Let's go look at Matthew 12, 25. Most of y'all know this verse. Every king divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Do y'all notice that it doesn't, it, it doesn't say it might stand? It could stand. It doesn't say that. It says it will not stand. And we wonder what's wrong with the church in the United States of America. We are extremely divided. Jesus knew the importance of team unity. In his last prayer in the garden before he was taken to the cross in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed to all of his children, not just Baptist, Methodist, black or white. He prayed for all of his children to be unified as one. In fact, in that prayer, he mentions the word unity, or he talks about unity eight times, depending on the translation that you have. Guys, can you imagine how strong our church would be if we could unite together? I mean, I want you to just think about it, just in Texarkana alone, how many churches there are. I mean, we, we live in the Bible Belt. They're everywhere. But we still have churches competing against churches. That's sad. You know, to unify as one church, again, can you imagine how strong we could be if we would all get on the same page? We could all get on the same page. How many of y'all are familiar with Belgian horses? Show of hands. Anybody familiar? Okay. Belgian horses are one of the strongest horses in the world. They can pull up to 15 times their weight. A Belgian horse weighs 2,000 pounds. Okay? So 15 times their weight, that's 30,000 pounds that one horse can pull. There was a scientist that got together with some other men that were real big on horses and so forth. They were putting some things together, and they were trying to see what was the strongest horse. The Belgian actually was not the strongest. There was one other that was. But then they decided, what about if they're united? So they grabbed another Belgian horse that weighed 2,000 pounds that could pull 30,000 pounds, right? 15 pounds of weight. So you would think that the two horses together, if, if you're just, you ain't got to be a mathematician, you could figure out that's 60,000 pounds, right? Am I right? They pulled up to 75,000 pounds because they were united. They became stronger together than apart. Why can't our church do the same? We got two dang horses that got it figured out. So the first goal as a teammate on Team Jesus is to be united. All churches need to be willing to put aside their differences and work together as one church. Now that doesn't mean we have to agree with all the other churches' beliefs. But we should be able to agree to disagree and work together as a team. 
For instance, some churches believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit died with the disciples. On the other side, you have some churches that use these gifts out of order. Some churches believe in order to be a pastor, you must have a degree from seminary. Even though Christian Warriors Church may not agree with these churches on these topics, we can still put our differences aside and work and pray and build God's kingdom together. A few examples of this, guys, and some, most of y'all know this has been around, but if you hadn't, you'll get to figure this out in a couple weeks. Eric Aiken from uh, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, is coming in a couple weeks, and every year we go to Fields of Faith and we help serve at Fields of Faith in this town. That event brings more people to salvation than any other event in this town every single year. Forgive me, I don't know the numbers, but I know in years past there have been almost a thousand kids give their life to Christ at that event. At that event, you don't have one church running that thing. There are multiple churches that come out and work together. Look what happens. Look what happens when you unite as one. And again, there's a lot of pastors there, there's churches there that I may not agree with everything that they believe or how they interpret certain things in the Bible, but one thing that we agree on is salvation. One thing that we agree on is we should love each other deeply. One thing we agree on is we're going to build the kingdom the best that we can. We can work together. And if we've got other churches that have that mindset, we'll make it work. We want to serve with other churches. We've done, uh, we've done joint services before joint worship nights before uh mikey and the outreach team every time we go down and feed the homeless every fourth sunday of the month there's multiple churches that are out there we work together that's how it should be guys i hate to say it but it's a shame there's some churches that will not help in these areas because it wasn't their idea just being honest We have brother and sister churches that cannot unite because they cannot agree to disagree. They believe their way is the only way. I pray these churches realize that this disunity is crippling the church as a whole. This divide between churches is a reason some people are pushed away from the Christian faith. When churches fight, bicker, and argue with each other, they provide no incentive for the unchurched to become churched. Why would anyone want to join a team that fights amongst themselves, guys? You know, in football, you have free agents. Some of y'all don't know what that is, but it's a guy that got drafted by a team. He had a five-year contract. End of his contract, he decides not to sign with that team. So now he's going to go be a free agent, and he's going to go and shop the market. He's going to look around and find a team that, that fits his skills or he's going to find a team that he likes the coach, he likes the players. But I promise you they're not going to a team that's not united. They're going to go to a team that they feel they can win at. We need to be thinking about that as a church. We need to be thinking about the visitors that walk through those doors they're free agents. They're looking for a unified church that they can get involved in. 
and they can be a part of that team. We need to have that focus each and every Sunday when we walk in here to make sure that those people see that we are united as Christian Warriors Church and we are willing to work with other churches to unite as God's church because that's what's most important. Amen? Amen. So now that you understand that the team must be unified as one, I have another question for you guys. Are you pulling your weight on Team Jesus? Are you contributing to the team? Are you getting on the field? Or are you just a fan sitting in the stands like a spectator? Now I know what all you guys are thinking. Here comes Mike. He's going to preach another sermon on serving. He's going to guilt me into watching the kids. He's going to guilt me into being on the outreach team with Mikey. He's going to guilt me on working in security. Trust me, I'd love to do that right now. I really would. But God's got me going a whole different direction today. Instead of beating you over the head of how we need to use or how you need to use your God-given gifts to serve a church body, okay, God wanted me to go this direction. Today, God wants me to look at a much larger role that we have as teammates on Team Jesus. And Paul sums it up. He sums these roles up in uh, verse 2. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We're going to break these two verses down, guys. Nick, if you could pull up just verse 1 for me, please. The prisoner in the Lord urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. If you are a child of God, you have received a calling, and that is to be on the team of Team Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. That's your calling. Your calling is to be part of the church team, his team, okay? The moment you made the decision to follow Christ, you became a part of his team. But every teammate has a role to play. And your first role is to be a great reflection of the team. That's where this next part comes in. It talks about walking, walk worthy. Walk worthy. My question to you guys, how is your walk? Hang on. I'm going to go off script. What's your walk look like? How's your family life? How's your marriage? Because I promise you, the unchurched, they're watching that. You should be a reflection to where when people look at you, they say, I want some of that. The greatest compliment that you guys can receive is actually a question. And it's somebody walking up to you asking you where you go to church. That's the greatest compliment you can receive. That means that you have been walking right. You have been setting an example. People see God in you. 
and they want some of that. That should be your goal every day, Christian warriors. Every day. We get so caught up in so many different things in life. We get so caught up with religion and church that we forget that we're supposed to be the light. That's our job. So again, my question is, what's your walk look like? Ask yourself that. Let's look at uh, verse 2. Ephesians 4, 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. This verse is telling us how to lead by example as teammates on Team Jesus, guys. The first thing it's telling us to do is to be humble with one another. How do you do this? You put others ahead of you. Quit worrying about your needs and worry about your teammates' needs. I think about how many times in this church, I want, y'all to, I want you to grasp this. You show up on Sunday, and don't get me wrong, you got to get fed, okay? Amen? You got to come in here, you got to learn something. So you do have to have that thought process in mind of, I have to get fed. My family has to get fed. They have to be learning something. I need to be growing somehow in some way. But then there's another thing that you're supposed to be doing as a church body on Team Jesus, and that is lifting others up. I sit here every Sunday. Well, unfortunately, he ain't been here in a few weeks. One of our elders, Don Spadafore, we call him St. Don. He's been a little sick, a little under the weather, but he's getting, he's getting much better. He's, he'll be back quickly. Amen? Amen? Y'all keep him in your prayers. But when he's here, when we invite the prayer team to come up at Victory Call, and I'm sitting over in that corner, and I'm watching Don, and I know what he's doing because he taught me to do the same thing. He's looking out at that congregation, and he's praying for God to reveal to him who's hurting, who needs to be encouraged, who needs prayer, who needs to be lifted up. How many of y'all are doing that? How many of you are being humble with others? How many of you are putting others before yourself, not worried so much about the problems you have? Because I'm telling you right now, the last time Don came to this church and he stood up here, he could barely stand. And he was still looking for people that he knew God wanted him to go pray with. No matter what you're going through in life, guys, I promise you, if you put others ahead of your problems... God will take care of your problems. It's not about you. It's never about you. Instead of worrying about individual goals, you should always worry about the team goals, guys. (laughs) You know, we get this a lot with serving, you know, where can I help the church, so forth. And and then we'll have some people that will say, you know, well, I, I'm a good singer. I need to be on the worship team. And then this is what will happen. The worship team may be full. And, and then they say, well, well, well I, I want to be on the worship team. That's, that's my gift. Well, here's what I need you all to understand. It's not just the worship team. Let's say we're full in other areas. But I need you all to understand something. 
if God called you to Christian Warriors Church and the spot that you think you're supposed to be in is full, that means he has somewhere else he wants you to serve. Amen? You know, one of the things that I always did at every church I went to, because I, I didn't, I can't sing, number one. I think everybody knows that. And a few weeks ago, y'all found, I can't dance either. Y'all found that out a few weeks ago. But, but I want to serve wherever the church needs me. In the last church we were in, I went to the pastor and I said, listen, I'm just going to be, I'm not going to sign up for anything, but you tell me where you need me and I'll go. Because I want to help where you need help. If we have that kind of team mindset as a church, God will move so much more. Because we put our personal dreams, our personal ambitions aside, and we allow him to use us in a spot that maybe we didn't even think we had that gift in. And then once we get there and he puts us there and he takes us out of our comfort zone, we realize, oh, crud, I can do this. Put your personal feelings aside, guys. The second thing this verse is telling us is to be gentle with one another. Some people look at gentleness as weakness. If that's the case, then God is the most weakest individual being in the universe. Think about how gentle he is with us. Gentleness is a strength. Gentleness with others, it, it gives you the opportunity to watch God work. Now listen, I ain't going to lie to y'all, I still struggle as a pastor with gentleness, okay? Not going to lie to y'all. Um, you, you know, hush. First Timothy chapter 3 gives us the, uh, the, the characteristics of what a pastor is supposed to be. I take that very serious, by the way. In fact, I read it every morning. I open my Bible and I read 1 Timothy chapter 3 every morning to remind myself that this is how I'm supposed to act. This is how I'm supposed to be as a pastor, okay? My encouragement to y'alls is why can't y'all do the same? Doesn't have to be a pastor. Go read the characteristics. But one of them is gentleness. This is where I'm getting at. And I still struggle with it. But because I continue to read that, it helps remind me that I have to be gentle at times. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, man, it's hard sometimes. It's hard. Some of y'all hard to be gentle too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love y'all. I do. The third thing this verse, we're going to get off that. The third thing this verse is telling us is to be patient with one another. That's even harder than gentleness, right? Who in here struggles with patience? I didn't ask you to raise your hand. See, you ain't got patience? Keep your dang hand down. Y'all just threw it right up there. You have no patience whatsoever. I struggle with this, guys, again, as a pastor with counseling. You know, if I'm counseling somebody, you know, I used to have a buddy that say this, you know, you point to the cross and you get them there and then they come back. You point to the cross and you get them there and they come back. You point to the cross. It's like, gosh, almighty, are you serious right now? You know, but, but we need to have patience with one another because I need you to understand something. Whoever it is that you're having patience with may not be as far along on their walk as you are. You need to be patient with them. Think about how patient God is with us. Amen. You know, I've said this a bunch. I think God thinks my name, my first, middle, and last is Micah because every time I hear him, he says, Micah, Micah, Micah. <laughs> like every time. That man has so much patience for me. 
Instead of, excuse me, instead of getting upset with those around us, we need to be patient and allow God to work. You see, too many times we lose patience with others and give up. And because of our impatience, we lose the opportunity again to watch God work, guys. I want to explain this to y'all. See, what happens is, this is what God does to you, see, because he showed me this one time. And it made me really mad. But this is what he does. See, see, like you got somebody, like you got them right here. And you're working on them, and there's this timeline, right? And you're working on them, and it's been a month, and it's been a year, and you're still working on them, man. And then it's been a year and a half, it's been two years, it's been three. I'm done. I'm done. I'm walking off. I'm finished. And what's sad is, is right here was God. We were so close, but we got impatient. And if I'd wait a little longer... And if I'd be a little bit more patient, I'd get to watch God show up. And that's what we miss out on when we lose patience with people that are less on their walk than we are. Be patient with your brothers and sisters in Christ, guys. God always reminds me of the people when I'm not patient, God reminds me of the people that were patient with me on my walk that made me who I am today. And then sometimes he reminds me of the people that are that they're still patient with me on my walk. Amen? The fourth thing this verse is telling us is to do everything out of love. We must love one another. And the way we do this is we need to master the three steps this verse mentioned before this. If you're humble to others, if you're gentle with others, and if you're patient with others, that's where love comes in, guys. Nick, throw that slide up for me. God shows up. God is love. God is love. And if we can do those three things, he's there. If we can stay on that timeline, no matter how hard it is, no matter how long it is, that we're dealing with somebody, if we can stay on it and continue to love them deeply, and that's what you got to think about. It's hard to love people sometimes. It's hard to love people. But again, think about how much he loves us. And all the times that we mess up and all the mistakes that we made, aren't you glad he didn't give up on us? Don't give up on them, church. Our job on Team Jesus is to love one another deeply. We are to love people the way that God loves people. So again, I ask the question, are you a player on Team Jesus or are you just a spectator in the stands? I want you to really think on this, guys. When you wake up every morning, the first thought that comes in your head, the first thing that you say, God, how can I build your kingdom today? What can I do to build your, put people in front of me that need to feel and see your love. And then God, give me the courage to do it when you put it in front of me. My family and I pray this prayer every day before I let them go to school. God, let us be a light for you today. 
that's another thing. It ain't just me. I'm praying, I'm praying for my whole family to be the light. Guys, there's church missing. There's a lot of churches that are missing this. They're missing this calling. There are so many churches more worried about growth instead of the growth of love in their church. But I can say this, guys, and I can stand up here and I don't, I, you know, I can't lie because I'm a pastor, right? Christian Warriors Church is not one of those churches. This church is doing a phenomenal job. And how I know that is the confirmation that continues to pour in. The joy, again, we talk about it all the time that we hear in this church every Sunday. I watch people hug each other. I watch people that are lifting each other in prayer. Just today, as I was sitting in the back and I had to run out, I had to go to the restroom. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I had to go to the restroom before I preached. I didn't want to be up here dancing the whole time. So anyway, I was going to the restroom and I looked down the hallway and I see two people praying together. Church, you're doing an amazing job. But I want you to catch these two words right now. Doing an amazing job right now. The reason I bring that up, a lot of your most successful churches at one point in time, they were doing it too. But they lost focus. They started concentrating on butts in the seats instead of love being poured out to the ones that are sitting in the seats right now. As a church, we need to be focused on that. And there's nothing wrong with growth. But here's the thing. We want to make sure it's God growing the church and not us growing the church. I want God to put people in this church that he wants in this church. Keep it up, church. But remember those two words right now. Because it's always a job. It never stops. Building God's kingdom is an every day, every hour, every minute, every second job. And you should be proud to do it. I'm going to close with this story. This is what inspired me to actually preach this sermon. Y'all got to forgive me. I'm going to cry like a baby. <laughs> what else was new, right? <clears throat> so... I may even get the date wrong here, but I want to say it was Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. I had an idea for a sermon uh, that I felt God had put on my heart, and I actually think he did. It just wasn't supposed to be this Sunday. It's going to be another Sunday. And uh, when I got to work, Kelsey that works for me let me know that there was a guy <clears throat> from Florida that called the jewelry store looking for Pastor Micah. Most of the time, I'm just being honest, most of the time, uh, and I did tell Kelsey this, actually, in that moment, I said, just give them my email. Tell them they can reach out to me there. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just, I'm at work. You know, I got to make a living. I got four women that live with me. 
But one thing I do when somebody reaches out and asks me to call, what I did first is I spouted out because my pride got in the way. I wasn't being very humble. I wasn't being patient, right? I, you know, and I looked at Kelsey and I said, give him my email address. And then I went back to my office and I sat down and immediately I felt conviction. And God said, you got to call that man right now. So I went back over and told Kels, I said, hey, don't, did you call him yet? No, I hadn't called him yet. I said, don't call him. I'm going to call him. She kind of looked at me funny because most of the time, like I said, she knows that I just give the email out. I call this man. He's struggling in his marriage. Actually, I take that back. He's not married yet. But he's struggling. He, he has a, a girlfriend. They have a child. He wants to marry her. But they're struggling. And she's told him, I'm, I'm not marrying you until you change. She wants a godly man. So he calls me. And the first question I always ask is, have you gone to your pastor yet? This is what breaks my heart. I said, Michael, we've been going to a church for a year. I've called the pastor, I've called other leaders in the church, and nobody will call me back. That breaks my heart, y'all. It breaks my heart. He's been at a church for a year. They probably don't even know his name. Now, I ain't mad at him because I suck at names, okay? But I'll tell you this, if somebody's struggling in this church, somebody's going to come tell me. Because that's what we do. We fight together. That's the job of the church is to love each other deeply. And when I hear that there's a man that is seeking help, and I have no doubt by talking to this man on the phone for 45 minutes, by the way, that he is convicted and he wants to change, but he couldn't find somebody to show him how to change. What is wrong with the church today? You know, there are a lot of folks in this room who got problems right now. And I'm talking to a man in Florida. And the reason why I'm talking to him is because the pastor that he's supposed to have talking to him won't talk to him. I got a full congregation of people that got problems. I need to be focused on y'all. That's my job. I'm supposed to shepherd the church. Me and Bojo and Mikey and Cheryl and the elders, we're supposed to shepherd the church. But what I learned is, is because of the lack of that going on in other churches, we're having to work overtime. If they'd be good teammates, we wouldn't be working overtime. Amen? Amen? Guys, I promise you, we love you at this church. You know, we may not be the most organized, okay? We may not have the coolest kids' room, okay? We may not have the coolest sanctuary, all right? You know, we, we may not have stadium seating, all right? We may not have a full band today, okay? We may have an associate pastor that gets up here and acts crazy every day gum transition. 
we may have cowboy fans. And you know, I'm going to tell y'all right now, one cool way that you know that we got unity in this church is you got cowboy fans and giant fans sitting together. <laughs> Guys, all those things that I just mentioned, we may not have those things, but we'll love you deeply. I can't give you all those other things. We don't have them. Be honest with you, don't want some of them. But we love you deeply because that's what he told us to do. He told us to love each other deeply. Guys, if we can do that as a church, think of the strength that we could do. If we could unite churches together and love each other the way that God loves us and others, think how strong we could be. That man in Florida would have somebody that would have reached out to him, loved on him, and counseled him immediately. But you got to tell us. This man was seeking help. But how many of you are struggling today and you're not asking for help? Give your teammates a chance to lift you up and do their job. You're a selfish player if you're struggling and you're not letting us know. Guys, if your family's struggling, if your marriage is struggling, if your business is struggling, if you're sick, if you've got an illness and you're not telling us, how are we supposed to fight for you? Let your teammates step up. If you don't, you're blocking a blessing. You're blocking the opportunity for God to work through somebody else. So therefore, you're not growing your team. You're hurting your team. You're crippling your team. Yeah. 